Welcome to Surviving Gun Violence, the impact, the agony, the aftermath. Welcome to Surviving Gun Violence, the impact, the agony, the aftermath. I have with me my special guest today, Mr. Carlos Howard, Howard of um, Crusade for Christ radio show. Yay! Yes. He has come a very long way. He's a prominent um, mortician. Um, he did me justice when he gave my sons back to me back in 2004. And I know it's been so long ago and he's had so many other um, bodies or people that he had taken care of over the years until uh, he was unfortunately closed, had to close, which really uh, saddened me because I felt like he had done the community a great justice and did great work as well. Hello, Miss. Hello, Carlos. How are you? I'm fine, Janice. How are you today? Thank, thank you for having me here, and I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate you taking the opportunity. I didn't. I, I thought um, it would be a while, maybe next week, but I'm glad we got you this week. Um, you know what? Um, this is more so about um, gun violence. Yes, ma'am. And um, I'll be asking you questions like um, this one for particular. How has gun violence affected you? Well, personally, it uh, it impacts me to the standpoint that number one, gun violence is 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 results in murder and one of the commandments that god has given us is that we shouldn't kill and certainly to take take something away that you can't give back is is wrong and it is against god it is of the antichrist and the environment that breeds or produces gun violence and particularly the african-american community i would deem it by design or being done on purpose. First and foremost, you, uh, and this is another uh, subtitle to the question that you asked, but you, in order to deal with the symptoms of the problem, you got to get to the root of it. And the root of it is, 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 I would call white supremacy through the deprivation of our 
community through economic, social, educational, and even spiritual deprivation to the standpoint that when I say spiritual deprivation, the, the, the scriptures that were given to us, for example, uh, one doctrine of uh, white supremacy religion, which I call the Confederacy, which is the religion of white supremacy, says that God cursed Ham. God didn't curse Ham, nor cursed Ham, his own father. And then, you know, you have the uh, vice president of the Confederacy to say that the Confederacy has its root in slavery and racism, which goes against the scriptures when God says, let us make man in our image and our likeness. We are all made in the image and likeness of God. So uh, he did not give another man the authority to have power over another man. So when you look at the conditions that the ruling factors of America have in terms of controlling the economic, religious, social order, of things, uh, you deprive them of, of jobs, you deprive them of their self-esteem, you create a vacuum whereby they don't have access, uh, equal access to the basic things of life. And you put them in the closed, the contained area called the projects and other contained communities, it's gonna start feeding on itself. And that's exactly what has been done to our communities by designs. Our children and our people don't have any ships, boats, or planes to bring these guns into the community. And they're in there by the boatloads. And then we have evidence that the white supremacist groups are flooding our communities with these guns that are that don't even shoot straight, they have malfunctioning problems, and they're giving them to the community which is another situation that uh, brings about uh, uh, dysfunction in our community. So when we look at the overall problem in our communities and we see other communities not having this problem and you wonder why, and it's because of the benign neglect and the deprivation of resources uh, to our people that breeds this type of behaviors. And not only that, you have, have the issue of self-hate that has been taught to our people. Uh, in fact, the Negro or the African-American now has, through the gun violence of murder of each other, has carried this thing beyond the hatred level that white people have hated us. And I'm not talking racism or bigotry. I'm just telling you just what it is. And we have to somehow begin to teach our children and our people the value of number one of themselves to begin to love themselves and get rid of their self-hate. And uh, number two, to begin to respect all humanity. And when you really look at this thing, Janice, with the giftings and talents that God has given us, it is a proven and known fact that most of the things that we enjoy in America and in the world has been created and designed and manufactured by African-Americans or Black people and Negroes. So 
it's it's a given that we are proven part or an asset to the development of this nation and to society. So what is it that causes us to turn on one another with this focus of self-hate? I'll tell you what it is. It's image, it's value. It's, it's how we have been taught to see ourselves as worthless, inhuman. In fact, they even put it in the Constitution of the United States that according to Chief Justice Taney saying that we were three-fifths human. Now, I like to see a three-fifths human. <laughs> you know, I, I I mean, these are some of the things, I mean, and it's a very, very deep, a painful conversation with me, Janice. So I could go on and on and on, but you need to stop me with, because this is a, a very sore subject with me. Uh, you, are, you are doing just fine, Carlos, and uh, I appreciate it. You said a mouthful, and it is self-hate. We have to learn that we are our brother's keepers. We are each other's keepers. We are families disconnected from way back when. You're killing your brother, your uncle, your, your, your son, your child. You're killing so many And the branches just affect so many people. All I ask is for our community our neighborhoods, our cities, our streets, not just here, everywhere, to think. Other people are left to mourn and they hurt every day. They cry every day. Some of them go as far as retaliating and going out and doing the same unforgiving thing that the other person has done to someone else. And it's, a, and it's a forever cycle. It's a forever cycle if we don't stop and think. You know, we tried to get gun reform. We tried to ban certain guns. They tell me AR, AR-15s are legal to be on the streets. Um, but that's an assault weapon. That is a military assault weapon. I don't care how you look at it. Weapons like that should not be allowed on the streets in our neighborhoods or our communities where our children pray. Our children pray. We want our children, the children of today, to grow up and have a happy childhood like most of us have. Not going to bed or waking up with PTSD because of something or some horrific feat of gun violence that they have witnessed. Now I'm gonna ask you this, Miss uh, Carlos. When you were in the funeral business, and may I, I, I say again, I admired and loved your funeral service and how you help the community. How are other funeral service, funeral services, how are they helping or giving any type of uh, concern with the families 
as well as the hospitals. I know the hospitals make uh, quite a bit of, of, of harvesting our children's organs. How do either one of these entities help our struggling parents, mothers, to give their child a decent burial? Can you answer that for me? Well, let me go and, and take you back uh, just a minute. Um, when I was in practice, I did uh, started several uh, anti-violence uh, programs. In fact, uh, I started one with murders against Mothers Against Murder and Violent Crimes, and I, I started that with, uh, I can't think of Jackie's last name, but she started that program, has been around for a good little while. And um, I went going to the schools, I even had casket manufacturers to make up posters for me so that I could put them in the schools in various places, and it had a casket. Uh, on it, and it says grounded forever, you know, gun violence. And you, 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 when you look at it, and, it, and it, this, this is not just germane to the funeral practitioners, African Americans, but this is germane to all of our African American elected officials. If you had this kind of situation that was taking place in the white communities, it would be dealt with but because it's in the black communities it's nothing being said in fact uh i'm going to call names because it's true it's uh fact checkable mr paul riddick's been on city council for better than 30 years he owns funeral home and i would say that he benefits from death and he lives in one of the most troubled neighborhoods in our city huntsville and Huntersville, you know, what has he said or done to bring to bear attention to stop this madness? Gangs out. Mr. Kitty Alexander is a man is the mayor of the city of North. Owning several funeral homes. What has he done to uh, put an end or even to bring attention to the 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 problem? that we have in our communities of gun violence, gang violence, and, and other ills in our community. Congressman Scott, who is the darling of the congressional district, had been, been in there for 30 years. These individuals' voices are silent. Oh, they'll come to your cookout and show up for political favor and things of that nature. But the policies have to be addressed. What is it that you know precipitates this kind of behavior in the beginning? You got both parents working two and three jobs just to eke out a meager living to bring home basic tools such as food, and nobody's watching the children. And, and yet we haven't, those parents, those same parents who are out there trying to do the right thing, the best that they can, nobody's minding the children, and they're left to get into every bedevilment that they possibly can. And even in all of that, there is not a value added wage added to their employee. 
to help the situation other than survive. So I would say that other than patting a family on the back, and maybe they might discount a funeral, you know, to these individuals. Uh, that is the essence of it all. When I opened my practice, I realized that African-Americans, Black people, Negroes, had only a limited amount of life insurance. And, it, and this was uh, taken from data that I got from the st uh, stats uh, in the 80s. I opened in 1988. And they said that the average family had only $500 to $1,500 worth of life insurance. And that was called industrial insurance. And when you look at that in a cemetery at that time, was costing about $1,000, another 500 to open and closing, you were in the hole, so to speak, no pun intended, and you couldn't afford anything else. So, you know, when you, when, when you look at all of the factors that are involved in trying to provide a dignified service, for someone who has existed on this planet Earth over a period of time, that their final appearance above ground, I believe should be dignified. And I knew that people didn't have any money. So I created a funeral, a complete funeral for $1,000. If if you didn't have any life insurance, the city would give you 500 and your family, you had a family of 10 and each of them could come up with $100. We had a decent deal. That was the way I looked at it. All everything is driven by money and economy. And I did so much business is that my competitors got mad and they came up with all kinds of things, put me out of business because I was helping people. Now, here's an example of true persecution because you're doing what God says to do. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. It is a horrific thing to watch a mom and a dad. And many times I would go into these families' homes and make their arrangements. The son got murdered. I'm holding his baby while mom and dad so with a crying, trying to figure out how in the world we're going to get him buried. And I'm saying to myself, man, you got to do something. So I did what I needed to do. I went on oftentimes to bury people that did in, in, in the money, if I could collect it, I'd probably be a millionaire. But, you know, this is just the heart that God gave me for its people. He told me, if you take care of my people, I'm going to take care of your business. And he did it. But the people of the evil of this world put me out of business. And the people now are suffering because they have no one that they can go to. And, and I, I understood that. And I agree with you and your sentiments totally. I have spoke on several individuals that you have spoken of. And I have uh, spoke on how they have made a lucrative business at the expense of other's children. I look at the hospitals that have made lucrative money at the harvesting of your of children's body parts, our loved ones' body parts, 
because they didn't know not to be an organ donor. Or even if they want an organ donor, they had no other choice. Exactly. And uh, it said, I, I never forget uh, when my daughter-in-law introduced me to you. And I didn't know that you were, were married to one of my childhood friends that I grew up with. And um, when we met, we, we saw the click. And when I saw the pictures of my son and how they found him and how the, what you call it, the, the metamorphosis mm -hmm. had set in him. That wasn't my son. And I remember when it came to the family viewing, I was scared to come and see him. But when I looked at him, you made him look like he was just taking a nap and he would wake up in the morning. And I appreciate and I'm very thankful for how you gave my son back to me when the hospital had told me he was no longer my son. When I wanted to see him in the hospital, they told me he was not my son. But all in all, you gave me back my baby boy. And I I told you then, and I'm telling you again, thank you so very much. Well, Janice, good God be the glory. That is one of the things that uh, precipitated me to get into the mortuary science field. When I was a child, there was a kid who lived across the street from me who had gotten run over a school bus by a school bus. And when the kid, our class went to see him, the funeral home told us that we couldn't because the damage was so extensive. And I knew within me that something could have been done. And from that day on, I, I, I strived to uh, get into the industry and to learn as much as I could do about restorative art and putting people back together. And it was kind of successful. I don't give, take any credit for any of that other than uh, to the glory of God. And I am pleased that you were pleased that whatever that I could have done to contribute to your peace and your satisfaction, I'm grateful and I give God the glory. And, you know, while we were talking about senseless acts of, of, of death, um, you, we talked about several individuals and hospitals who benefit from uh, the demise of our young people. Well, let me give you some statistics. Do you know that over 680,000 African-Americans have been uh, murdered since the 80s to the present day as a result of gun violence? 680 some odd thousand. Wow. That, 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 that's more than, than, than people 
who died in the Gulf War, the Iran War, and Vietnam War all together. That's a lot of people. And, 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 and no one is questioning, you know, to this. Well, I'm going to tell you something. And I don't care who don't like it and, who, you know, and whatever about it, because I'm, this is very, very personal with me. I don't know if you realize that I had several illnesses when they closed my business. It made me sick. Uh, I uh, came down with heart disease, cancer, uh, spinal uh, disorders, and they sent me home to die, put me in the hospice. And, and you know, man, and he put me in the hospice and God told me, I said, God, what did I do to deserve all of this? He said, nothing. This is to my glory. Uh, you go home and rest. It's been 10 years. It's been 10 years now since they did this to me, but it's to the glory of God. And God basically is at the throes that I'm coming back in business. I'm coming back to serve the people of this community. And I'm working on it even as we speak. But I wanna tell you where I see the problem in our communities, it is the church, Amen. it is the pastor. It is Come the pastors. On. Come on. It, it is the pastors. God gave ministry, and he has what's called a five-fold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist. This is his cabinet of government. These are the individuals that he has given a call and gift to to set in order his kingdom. Not a religion. Not a religion. God, when Jesus came, he didn't come to establish a religion. He came to reestablish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come where? On earth as it is in heaven. And how many preachers, how many preachers, the pastors or apostles or bishops today do you hear talking about the kingdom? They're talking about getting rich quick. They're talking about uh, 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 bringing me your tithes and offering. You had one televangelist say that he was wrong about tithing and even the Jews don't even tithe anymore. They understand their responsibility to God and they do it. But when you have made God's people of merchandise, it's nothing more than idolatry. You're serving money, mammon, people, things, houses, the pastor, and you made him a God. And God is a jealous God. And this is why we see what we have today. And the very ones who are impacted by it is us because the thing that brought us through the middle passage and slavery and oppression and, and, and Jim Crowism and racism was God. And now all of a sudden we got one or two civil rights movements on and we think that we have arrived. We have not arrived. In fact, our conditions now in 2022 have not moved any better since Dr. Yeah. King in 1965, and that's been about 52 years from now. Where are our pastors? Where uh -huh. are our elected officials? Uh -huh. They are the ones who have the authority, the pastors through God's authority, and the elected officials through the people's vote to handle our affairs, and they're not doing it. And God has said he has turned his face against them. You're going to see some incredible things now going on with our leadership that you've never seen before. You're gonna see a sudden death, sudden demise, 
a, a sudden uptake. I mean, even that criminal Trump and that criminal uh, 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 Terry McAuliffe who try, tried to steal the governor's election, who who basically put Terry his face against- Terry McAuliffe? Terry McAuliffe, he is being now investigated by the FBI for doing a smear campaign against the black lieutenant governor, Justin Fairfax, who should be the governor today rather than uh, Glenn Youngkin. These are things that are going on that nobody wants to talk about because we are so enamored with the very people who are messing over us. And, 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 and it's, 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 it's been in the paper. This is what I've been, I even, we even sued uh, the state and Terry McAuliffe to keep him from doing it. And he lost. See, they didn't factor in the fact that God is in the midst of all of this. And he wants a people who will obey that will take care of his people. And it ain't happening. Well, and I this thought, is why we see. Well, I thought Terry McAuliffe was um, a righteous man. And he... Janice, be, be it far from the truth. If you look at some of my Facebook pages and presentation, and if you kept up with Crusade for Christ, uh, you will under, you will see that I'm not lying. Oh, uh, no, no, the, no, 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 no. Don't uh, get well, me well, I, I, I know. Don't get me I'm wrong. Just, I, would never, I, just, I would never demand, you know, call you a liar. I, 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 know, I, I know that, but what I'm saying is that you're suffering from the same misinformation and disinformation that they put on all of us to make us follow these people who demean us no good. And that's what Terry McCarthy is. And that's what Ralph Norton was about. That's what all these, these are the same individuals who got together with some of the funeral industries and took my license for trying to help black people. Okay, these me, are the ones. Let me ask you this. What what is it about? I heard you talking about Trump. Now what about Trump? Trump is the most wicked, evil. I think he's the devil's son, and he should be good. He should be in jail. He should he should be going. You have never seen a Negro, black man, African American raise a hand or a heel against this nation, despite our mistreatment. But this man was fighting. The Secret Service people, the very people that protect him to go down to the Capitol building to overthrow the government. And he should be in jail. In fact, he's treated, he should be shot. He should be put against the wall and executed or hanged. That is the penalty for treason in this country. Uh, what do you think about our president today? I think that Joe Biden has had some problems in terms of his early uh, political career in terms of where civil rights is concerned, that's documented. But I think that he is now at the age and understanding that, that he made some mistakes and I think that he's trying to do the best that he can in a bad situation. Donald Trump ripped the, the, the scab off of the pus forming bigotry racism and messed up this economy. And I think that uh, 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 Biden is a decent guy trying to put it together. But yet, there are still some things that Mr. Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer can do.
to make, bring about equality in the democracy in this nation. And the first thing is to get the Voter Rights Act re-ratified because how can you have a democracy depriving other people of their right to vote? I mean, they're giving, in fact, they just had another $550 million allocation to Ukraine. We're talking about preserving their democracy and look at our democracy where our young men are being slaughtered in the street every day. Every day. And you made a point on that right now. Like I said, I'm 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 pro Joe. Uh believe me, I am. And I, I but only thing I I think I, I I hear you when you say how the slaughter is going on over in Ukraine. But it's also going on on our streets here. And this is what we should be mainly focusing on. And I got you. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Carla. Well, you know, Janice, you know, Janice, one of the problems again, let's let's bring it to you and I. We go to the doctor and say, Doctor, my stomach hurts. Or the doctor will say, Well, what's the matter? because he doesn't know what's the matter with you until you tell him. My stomach hurts. And then he will begin to look at his list of remedies and to try to narrow down the cause of your stomach ache. In our communities, we have elected officials, city councilmen, uh, state delegates, state senators, congressmen that were elected by black people to represent our interests. And we tell them that, number one, that equality is a necessity, having equal access. When they go to serve on their various elected posts, seldom do you hear them say anything about what's hurting us, especially this murder pandemic that is so viciously corrupts our communities and destroys the hope of our mothers and our fathers and impacts their friends. That should be one of the forefront issues, even though it is us killing us. Why are we killing us? Why do we hate ourselves? And why do these young kids feel like there's no hope? because they haven't been given any hope. They seen Nana, Big Mama, Papa go out here and work and be mistreated and, and, and still ain't got nothing. And, 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 and they can go out here and sell dope and, and, and themselves and get out here and make more money in a week than their Papa or Big Mama can make in a year. And it's, they know that it has a death and it's a fact affixed to it but nobody has given them beyond hope. Oh, now you say, okay, you get a college education. There I know got, I got friends, Janice, with PhDs and they can't even get a job at McDonald's because they say that they're overqualified. I mean, these are the kinds of things that we say are beneficial to, the, to give us hope in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Oh yeah, they'll hire one or two African-Americans or give them a, 
a position of in uh, a, 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 a high profile position to say, well, look, we hiring blacks, but what about the rest of the 10,000 of us that's sitting on the welfare roads? And, 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 and I'm not condescending welfare because welfare won't create it for black people. You got more white folk on welfare and food stamps than you got black people. Amen. Amen. It was not created for black folk. No. Amen. Nothing in this nation was created for us. Nothing. And they 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 tell us every day. But what we made for ourselves were actually taken at I mean even our music. Our music was taken. Our dance was taken. I mean, I mean, we created a lot of things for us, and we have to realize we still are God's creation. Well, and we need to create a better life for our children and our children's children by thinking before pulling a trigger. See. The, 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 like you were speaking on, they talk about everything, except they, they 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 bring up a lot of excuses, but no one wants to give a real solution to this epidemic of gun violence. Let me give you the solution. Let me give you the solution. And I'm circling back to the pastors. God said, I am God and besides me, there is no other. And apart from me, you can do nothing. When is the last time you heard or seen a pastor go out into the streets, the highways and the byways, and compel people to adhere to the word of God? They build these big old tombs and monuments to themselves and expecting people to come in and, 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 and you want them to continue to give of their resources to support that thing but they've got nothing to offer. Do you know, we don't even need no banks. If the church, with the millions of dollars that they put in these white banks on Monday morning, would set up their own credit unions and lending institutions and lend money to these black families for home ownership, education, and things of that nature. But see, they so, they have taken a lie for the truth and they believe the fact that the white man's white supremacist rules are, are right. And, and, and God, look, when I, when, I, when I go back to the Bible, and this is where it all starts, all races, colors, creeds came from one man, Adam. And if you read the Bible, you'll tell you what color Adam was. He was in there in the Tigris and the Euphrates River. That's in Africa. That man had to be a color, uh, you know, of color. In fact, the National Geographic Society in 1984 deemed it true that the first man of civilization was a man of color. So that being said, when the Bible says, through one man, all races have their existence, that man was a black man. You can't get nothing from white. But out of black, you can get every color under the color hue from that. So that shows us both biblically and scientifically that all of us come from one source. And that one source is God in his image and his likeness. God is a spirit. And see, Janice, the missing element here 
is the knowledge of God. And if you have the knowledge of God, you have the knowledge of yourself. And that's the problem. Ain't nobody, you, you know, even the black preachers, they have switched over to the televangelists, you know, white televangelists. And look what they said. They laid hands on Trump and said that he was a righteous man. What Bible does they, do they read? God loves. God loves. Janice, Janice you, shouldn't have had, you shouldn't have had me on this program. No, 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 no. I am glad you're here. But I want I, I, I to give you my solution. I, I feel that any rightful, your people think you want to take the guns from them. But if you are a responsible gun owner, gun owner, and you actually own a gun, and you got it legally, there should be no problem with you locking your gun in your house. No, no open or concealed carry permits should be in existence. Now, instead of taking away a woman's right to have an abortion, that right to have an open and carry permit should have been banned. Not, not a woman having an abortion or, or taking care of her reproductive um, sec, um, sector. Yeah. yeah, right. Now, if you are, like I said, if you are an actual gun owner, and, and your your guns are registered, and you they should be um, like a car, re-registered every year. Um, there should be uh, um, what is it, Linda? Uh, 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 record. Uh, my tongue getting tired, Linda. <laughs> when I you said registered. They should be registered every year. Registered. Um, well, it's, 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 I know what you're saying. It's sort of like having uh, a renewal, like, a, and I made this proposal about 15 years ago. Why not have gun owners have an insurance policy attached to their gun ownership and they have to renew it and go through training certification every year to make sure that they are competent and capable of handling a gun. And that way you keep check on it, but see that 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 went by Katie by the door. But then you talk about uh guns. I grew up in the household. I was a, uh, it, we grew up on the farm and we had shotguns, rifles, pistols, everything. And we were taught you better not mess with that gun. And then I wasn't the only I was I wasn't the only one, all of us who came from that era. And we didn't have any incidences of gun violence. Well you know. it's my mind, Carlos, is restrictions, regulations, and um register what I say, regulations, restrictions and um no see was um I had it all right there. But anyway, what I'm saying is, if these guns, in order to get these guns off the street, to weed them off the street, 
you have to take away this open and concealed weapon. That's part of it. Yes, it is. Guns That's part of it. Guns don't belong on the streets. That weapons of war. Not in fact, uh, when I when I when I moved to uh, when I moved to Park Place, when I moved to Park Place, what I saw down there was a was a hellhole. In fact, my wife and my kids one evening, because we lived over top of the funeral home, and we were going over on 21st Street to get uh, a smoothie. And just as my daughter was stepping off the front step of the funeral home, somebody fired a gun, and I could hear the bullet whisk right past her head. Mm-mm-mm. I told them, go back upstairs. I went upstairs, got a brakeman stick. And I went down on that corner and told those guys, look, I just opened a funeral home. Somebody fired a gun and it almost hit my daughter. I don't know, want to know who it is. But if I see you all down here again, it's going to be World War One. Those guys left and they ain't been back since. We have got to take authority and begin to police ourselves. But you don't have nowadays men supported by their women to make allowances for men to be men. We get dogged, we get blamed for stuff like that. Do you know what I really got down to me and some other brothers got together? And that's why Park Place got cleaned up. We would go out at night, we would take these guys and whip their ASS for acting out. We didn't play. We weren't calling the police in the handle our business, we handled it. And then when we finally got the police to understand that's when Park Place began to turn around. And that's when white folks said, this nigga is too dangerous. We got to get rid of him. So it, it can be done, Janice. You just got to have the support factors and people with courage who want to live like humans and be human and do the right thing as opposed to being just another good American. Treated, treated like an animal in the wilderness. That's we right. We are human beings in civilization, and guns belong on the street like that. And I really wish that the NRA would realize they need the three hours. When we, when I was coming up in school, we had the three hours: reading, writing, and arithmetic. You remember that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Three hours. The three hours again. We need restrictions, regulations. And, and uh, uh, um, again, I keep forgetting. <laughs> I know yeah. it's the three hours. Yeah. Well, you got one more to need to add, which is an L, leadership. We don't have leadership. When our leaders become into no. position. The leader too busy making a lucrative living. Well, that's what they, that's what they do. I, 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 I went to the leader and I said, I called you because I wanted you to be on my show. And I, 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 they told me, well, where'd you call? I said, the, the mayor's office. He said, that's not where I make my money. <laughs> he said, you need to call me at my funeral home. Yeah, well. Knock on wood. And when I called to the funeral home, he hadn't returned my call yet. But it's okay. It's okay. Well, what, what y'all need, what y'all need to do, is vote them out. That's what you need to do. You need to vote them all out. 
they haven't done anything for you. And see, I'm tired of just voting for people because they're Black. You need to do something for me because you're Black. And you need to do something for me if you're white because I'm a human. And then Christmas parties is all fine and well. Uh, the, little, the little things you do to help with Christmas. All oh, that's fine and well. But that's I like, one time a year playing on somebody's emotions. I like to know that I'm comfortable walking the streets of Norfolk, VA every day when I leave from my house. Not just when I'm at our Christmas party. Well, I used to feel comfortable because I knew everybody. And I've been out of sorts for the past several years. And I ain't going out there now because these kids are crazy. Their parents are crazy and their grandparents are crazy. And the reason I say that the grandparents are crazy because grandma, big mama now is only 35 years old. Oh, wow. But look, so, Carlos, I'm going to tell, tell, tell it like this. We have covered a lot of grounds. You have enlightened me on and and we come in agreement on a lot of subjects. Okay. Yes, um, ma'am. I would love to have you back again. Would you love? Would you? Anytime, my- anytime you say. I appreciate it. And, and then, um, like I said, I have a little group, um, little organization called Soul Save Our Youth Slides. So we're going to work on that as well. And again, this is Surviving Gun Violence, The Impact, The Agony, The Aftermath with my guest, Carlos Howard, that will be coming back bigger and better. And you will have a blessed day. Janet, you too, and thank you for having me. And thank you so much, uh, Linda, for setting this up. God bless you both, and may God bless you in all of your endeavors and give you his peace and resources. This has been Surviving Gun Violence, The Impact, The Agony, The Aftermath. Follow our Facebook group, Surviving Gun Violence, The Impact, The Agony, The Aftermath, and our nonprofit page, Souls, Saving Our Youth's Lives, also on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram at SGV underscore the aftermath and on LinkedIn SGV podcast.